0: He never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination.
1: I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to hiya the only podcast that doesn't know Aikido, but still loves to hear you say, "Oh, sensei." <laughs> <laughs> Episode 39 recorded uh July the seven. 7th,
0: 7713. Starts now. Indeed it does. Yes, oh sensei. Oh, <laughs> sensei. Oh, sensei.
1: All right, enough of that nonsense. Indeed. Uh so yeah, we uh we were absent for a while, but hopefully you guys caught the last episode. That should catch you up on what happened and what we're doing moving forward.
0: Yeah, that was only like five minutes ago, so you should be right <laughs> it up feels for like it, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, anyway, we got a good show for you tonight. This is kind of uh, dipping our toes back in the water, so it's just me and Craig, mm-hmm. my intrepid co-host. Say hi, Craig.
0: Hi, Craig.
1: Yeah, there you go. And uh, I, and uh, myself, Dave Jones. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> And uh, we're basically going to uh, have a little discussion tonight. Yes, we are. We're going to discuss the multiple uses of the hands.
0: Hey, hey, mind out of the gutter.
1: Oh, well, you know. No, the more exalted uses of the hands, not for self-pleasure, but for messing up other people's days. Very cool. Um, But, yeah, we we were chatting about this earlier, and we thought it would be good to kind of go over just the myriad ways, especially in traditional martial arts and Chinese martial arts. And, um, you know, even
0: in MMA, but even though I don't think they have the names for them like right. we do.
1: and it's, it's, it's a little more restricted, you know, boxing your gloves on. So you basically got one hand shape, a yeah. fist, you know, in MMA, you've got uh, very light gloves and, um, you, so know, you can reach fingers. out and grab someone. If so you, you need. can still grab and stuff, but it's still somewhat limited by the gloves and by the fact that your hands are wrapped. Right. So. You know, um, but we're going to just kind of go from the fingertip all the way down to the wrist, and we're going to look at some of those things. Yes, we are. Uh, we also have
0: uh, news. Yes, we do. News, news, we news. We got a
1: news segment, and uh, yeah, that's going to be about it for this show. But uh, hopefully, you'll find it entertaining. And if you don't, you can always write us and tell us why. Why? <laughs> and we'll try to fix it if it's within our power. Indeed.
0: All I'm right. pretty sure you will. <clears throat> Infotainment. Coming yeah. at you, baby.
1: Yeah. So before we slip off to the champagne lounge to get geared up for our discussion, uh, I got a little story. Mm.
0: um Watch upon the time, there's no,
1: there's no pagans in this one, so Damn. it's probably not that exciting. But I just I had a little revelatory moment. Um, I don't know if I
0: can even say that word.
1: Because someone who was uh, well-versed and in, uh, in, in wrestling and grappling uh had asked me a while back and i'm I'm, i apologize to this person because i can't remember who asked the question now (laughs) (laughs) but they did get me thinking whoever it was excuse me and uh what they wanted to know was well uh do you have an arm drag in bagua and shingy uh Uh, yes you do we do but when he asked the question i'm like uh I, i know it's in there but i i it's not explicit no So I couldn't remember where it was. Transitional move. Right. But I thought about it for a little while, and and sure enough, and this has happened to me many times before, things that you don't think about are in there already, and you just kind of ignore them, sometimes Mm -hmm. for years, because they're transitional, or they're sort of, they appear secondary to the movement or whatever. But uh, the first place I found it uh, was, right out of the 5 fists crushing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because we crushing goes out, and we always typically will open our hand a little bit and close it again. Explain what crushing is is.
0: for someone who doesn't. Yeah, it's it's
1: one of the five fists, so it's a very basic technique. It's basically just moving forward and doing a a vertical punch to the midsection, Mm. or at least the basic version of it is. Right. Um, And you know, you're driving off the back foot. It's the wood element, so it's like the arm is growing out of your body. It's basically you know a short punch with your whole body weight behind it, and usually it's directed low. Although there is an uppercut version of it. And uh, I realized that, you know, that punch and that little opening of the hand and closing and dragging back wasn't just for squeezing someone's nipple if you punched them in the chest. Right. (laughs) It was also you punch low, it slides through, and you just – when you you hit somebody in the short ribs or the solar plexus in that region, if their arms are up, the tendency is when they get hit there for the elbow to pull down, and it'll drop right into your hand. And then you grab it and take another step and haul the arm, and you can walk right around behind him, just like, you know, your classical wrestling moves for mm-hmm. that contain arm drags.
0: Or if you're doing two of them, the first one could be to set up the thing that pulls that arm down, and the second one is the grab, if you would.
1: Right, right. So, uh, you know, it, I just thought it was nice, because, uh, like I said, this has happened to me many times before. And maybe you, you have some instances like this you could talk about, Craig, where uh, – You know, you you don't really realize something's in the system or you don't think about it. And it's such a fundamental tactic, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. I showed it
1: to a couple of my students and it like blew their minds. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is so (laughs) cool. You know, and I'm like, it's been there the whole time. It's my fault for not showing this to you because, you know, you tend to think of a punch as a punch and you forget. All the other stuff that goes
0: on. And then into you get it. in that typical thing a punch is a punch, a punch is more than a punch, a punch is just a punch, you know. Exactly. Yada, yada. yada. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I get that stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. we get that m- mainly in Chinese martial arts because we're used to seeing and thinking of our forms or katas, if you will, as postures with transitions in betweens, and yes, the magics and the transitions and all that stuff, but you usually, you know, when you're teaching people, uh, and if you're a teacher, you you teach more than you end up practicing or fighting, so to speak, and so you end up thinking about that one to three main application um, and and really kind of glossing over the other things, and sometimes you have to almost really dig through that encyclopedia to find that move but, yeah, a lot of times you'll be surprised. And all it takes, though, is that, that shift of focus outside of the, the main application. Say, okay, now we're going to focus on just the transitional and what the app might be for this. Um, but, yeah, I've encountered that all the time. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we do a move, for example, our, our typical animal stuff that we do that's just an introduction into Kung Fu. Where, um, you know, it's a, like a brush knee twist step for from Tai Taiji, where one hand uh, kind of parries. A a strike. Exactly. Yeah. You push, you know, the incoming strike's coming at you. You push it horizontal and kind of down, and then you come over top of that with a, a strike. You know, typically we use a claw, but whatever. Um, and then we turn it into a walking drill so you can continue to do that over and over. You take a step, you do the thing. You take a step, you do the thing. Um, and, you know, we see the app in that. You know, bridge and strike. However, in the transition of taking the the steps and resetting the hands, um, many miss the fact that the simple shape of turning the hands um, over is this awesome little hook, where the the back of the palm is pulled back. And you know, this kind of goes into what we're going to be discussing about. Uh, it's an awesome way to hook a punch out and quickly go within you know into striking range uh, without. Um, having to do much. And, and so that's another thing that we typically will go into is focus right on that transition because it brings a brand new element and opens a a new world up for a movement you thought had one purpose.
1: Right. And we don't want to beat the bush too, too much about this one either because we'll wind up uh, stepping all over our discussion topic (laughs)
0: because we got it on our
1: minds. But the takeaway of of this story for me is, one, if you're a student, you should never be afraid to ask questions and, you know, um, ask your instructor things, but also cut them a little slack if they have to say at first, I don't don't know, know. let (laughs) me think about that, you know, or if it uh, and look at it from the instructor's perspective or you instructors out there can I think will sympathize with this when you're teaching mostly a lot of new students or, you know, teaching a lot of basics. Right. Uh, like if you teach crushing and you're teaching it to somebody fairly new, you're, you're not even gonna, you're not even worried about the punch at first. You're trying to get a whole sort of body mechanic and when yeah. you're moving down and you get so focused. Cause that's really hard to get across sometimes,
0: get the juice behind you. Otherwise the, the, fist the rest is of it be doesn't crack. matter. Yeah.
1: Right. And, uh, so sometimes the nuances will fade from a teacher's mind a little bit, especially if they haven't used it recently. True. Um, and you know, so, uh, it's it's a good lesson for us to make sure that we keep up with that stuff and don't get too bogged down just in the basics ourselves because we have to keep cycling through those with, with exactly. students all the time.
0: You know, especially in dealing today, we're grappling with such a forefront of uh, anybody wanting to get in the martial arts or you know current martial arts mindset, um, and a lot of times, like for our things. It, You know, when we use a quote-unquote blocking hand, in reality, it's one of the most awesome things to use when we're in a grappling situation as opposed to a block. Since we
1: started doing this podcast, and we've had so many great conversations with really good grapplers, Mm. I have gone from focusing my primary basic applications is what I mean for maneuvers when we practice two-man drills and stuff like that. Uh, I've gone from just focusing mainly on the striking. I I have to remind myself, you know, this is an upright grappling and striking system. So Mm -hmm. I also, every application I do, I not only teach an inside and an outside version now as a basic. But but a
0: takedown, so to speak.
1: not, Not necessarily a takedown, but how to apply that same application from a clinch.
0: Ah, gotcha
1: so and it you know and again it's like some of this stuff i knew already and some of its discovery for me it's like Mm -hmm. oh wow this actually works really well in a clinch (laughs)
0: situation
1: you know but it's a new translation of the movement but you know it was built in there to begin with so it's it's not like you call it overhook
0: underhook we call it inside outside (laughs) change (laughs) exactly
1: exactly so you know uh, nothing new under the sun but uh, just different ways of putting it together there you go (laughs) all right folks well We're going to hit the champagne lounge and daintily sip our cocktail, (laughs) and we'll be right back with our discussion topic. Go lay down, buddy. Okay. So, our topic for this evening, or this afternoon or morning, whenever you listen to this podcast, right. is uh, fists, hand shapes, palms, all that good stuff. Yeah. Now, our goal is not to list every potential shape and every potential stylistic name. No because we don't have the time <laughs> no, or really the specific knowledge of, of all these myriad different ways in the Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, et cetera, et cetera, martial arts. <laughs> but we're more trying to get
0: at, general the, principle. at the
1: general principle, at the core of this thing. And of course, as always, uh, we'd love to hear feedback on this from any of our listeners that disagree or have something to add yes, to, to the discussion. All that being said, um, let's drop the fisting right away. Let's start the fisting. All right. Wait, no, let's not
0: <laughs> the same deck on a chaos.
1: let's actually start with the fingertips and work our way up to the big stuff <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even think of all the potential terrible analogies that I we know. would stumble across as we did this um let's let's start with the fingers and just work our way down all right um fingertip strikes uh not so- <laughs> you're about to catch one of those man. <laughs> fingertip strikes, you know what do you uh? What's your opinion on those, Craig? Uh, different styles treat them differently, and and some arts don't have them at all. For instance, if you do mixed martial arts or boxing or a ring sport, you will not be allowed to poke your finger at somebody. No. Uh, you might poke them in the chest or something, but that's not going to bother them really anyway. No, it's we did all that about that high
0: school, too. Yeah, TT torture. sit on
1: somebody's arms and poke them in the chest and they scream. But using the tips of the fingers to attack the eyes and very soft targets. Mm-hmm. That's pretty common.
0: Definitely. I mean, you'll find that in a lot of different hand shapes, as a matter of fact, from uh, crane beaks to crane wings, uh, you know, in, in typical Chinese kung fu, to just a, a loose hand to, to gather someone's attention or say, oh shit, my eyes.
1: Yeah. And <clears throat> that's a tactic we favor a lot in Bagua because we like to grab people and we got to make them put their hands up to do it in right. most cases. So, um, So, yeah, so we, uh, from my own experience, we use a variety of stuff, uh, primarily just a relaxed hand, whether, you know, you could be doing a ward off and then just flick the fingers out. Uh, Ward off
0: is kind of back of the hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that when we get more into the meatier parts of the hand, too. Um, But uh, we also use uh, what I call the Three Stooges, which is basically Mm -hmm. a snake tongue, you know, two fingers poke in the eye and the object is not to drive your finger through to the back of their skull (laughs) but simply to tap you know the eyeball to drag attention there and to get the results that that gets the watering eyes the blinking uh, all Mm -hmm. that stuff it's you know again it's not really necessarily intended to gouge out an eye no it's more of a tactical thing
0: right i mean there are some techniques for example that that we use in northern (laughs) shell um Form-wise, at least, uh, very prominently, which is what we call spear hand, where you know, let's say, your left hand would would the forearm would block downward an incoming strike, and the right hand would shoot over top of that with the palm facing up, with the idea of the the spear hand being your fingertips going just underneath the Adam's apple. Um, you know, that's kind of how we do it in the form, but in reality. Um, A lot of times that's, you know, you're using the forearm or, you know, the fingers might end up changing into something else, curling into a fist, you know, upon reaching the target area. Um, But granted, fingertips can still be used for striking areas or simply to get into areas uh, where they'll turn into something else.
1: Right, into a grab or something. And Mm -hmm. in, in my experience, and this is just in my experience, but the two places that are really good targets for fingertips are eyes, and armpits. I can see that. Uh, you know, you, you jab your fingers up in somebody's armpit, there's a lot of nerves and tender skin up in there. Yes, and there it is. can really get a reaction. Again, uh, the, typically neither one is a fight stopper unless you really get your finger in somebody's eye. Right. But it sure can change the way they're thinking and the way they react. It's a strategic move. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving along from that. Well, before we go okay. into that, if
0: you're going to use that – Um, you know, fingertip idea. Two things to to keep in mind. One is uh, if you're going to use it for any sort of uh, damaging or to grab their attention, you know, because some people will use them to strike into small areas. You know, it's a small surface you're using. Uh, If you're going for an area, it's going to be a small area on the body. Um, Is conditioning. Sometimes you need to be used to, you know, using your fingers. Um, And then the other thing is, people love it when the fingers are hanging out um so you got to have a plan of action you know otherwise a lot of times somebody can be quick and grab those fingers and get to herky-jerky and and then (laughs) owie-wowie yeah yeah fingers are vulnerable when you leave
1: them floating out there in space Mm -hmm. so you know if you're going to use them use them quickly and then get them back because uh if you leave them hanging out there somebody will indeed get a hold of it now often You know, for instance, the Three Stooges poke I was talking about, usually we only employ that when we already control one arm. Right. And you can use the forearm on the elbow. It can be created as a locking situation. But specifically for the hand... You poke up there, and if people put the other hand up to protect their eye, usually they'll put their palm up, you know, right. to, to keep
0: your or feet. a willow palm on the bridge of the nose. You know, three students. <laughs> right, right, right. the <laughs>
1: brink. <laughs> <laughs> the most people just stick their hand up, though, and yeah. actually, you can take those two fingers and go through their fingers with it, and a simple little twist, and you can grab a nice single finger lock on them, a nice oh, yeah. small joint lock. So,
0: small circle jujitsu there a little bit. Yeah,
1: and that's just one of those things we were talking about a second ago, where you can convert the fingertip strike into something else Mm -hmm. when it's achieved its, its purpose of drawing up the block or doing whatever
0: attacking chin off. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, but just know that your fingers are vulnerable to the exact same thing. If you don't, (laughs) you know, if you let it hang out there too long. Um, and the other thing I would mention on single finger striking or, you know, double finger striking or whatever before I move on. And then we've got some weird ones like our pew, 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 the pistol grip (laughs) (laughs) handshape different purposes for this stuff. But also, you never want to use a rigid finger to strike with, right? Because if you hit anything hard, you're gonna bust your own oh, yeah. joints up. So
0: even in uh, like the, you know the external arts, we have in you know Shaolin one fingers in, and we do you know you can do two to one finger he- he- finger stand pushups, you know, right. against the wall. <laughs> And there's even uh, some Southern, uh, you know, arts who use like hawk hands type thing where they're doing short circle and they're striking actually with fingers, but it's not a locked-out finger, you know. Yeah. It, you never overextend a joint.
1: Even, you know? yeah, even a well-conditioned hand, if you lock the finger out, it's going to be br- prone to breaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other thing, uh, just a word of caution, you know, if your style does a lot of fingertip striking, then, you know, make sure that their conditioning is complete and mm-hmm. valid because you can uh, you can condition your hands improperly and make them tougher but but <laughs> at the at the cost of dexterity and other things you know i've heard tales of the chinese guys that spent a lot of time driving their hands into buckets of sand and gravel and stuff like that and yeah they could strike really hard with their fingers after that but they couldn't pick a quarter up off a table or
0: yeah drink a cup of tea
1: right <laughs> so you know you got to think of, is it worth it before i start doing something like that exactly um, the other thing we'll touch on with fingers here is, uh, specifically is when you talk about a crane beak or something like that, that usually involves a few fingers held together. Good point. So when, if you've got three fingers and a thumb pinched together, then that's a much more stable stable structure, structure.
0: than just a one finger solo or so to speak.
1: Yeah, But it's also a little bit of a, a cruder focal point. So it mm-hmm. doesn't have quite the same application. So, true. Let's slide on that. Let's go ahead and bend those knuckles down and move on to the next set. Uh, Getting <laughs> in deeper. Yeah, yeah. If you move from the fingertips past the the first joint on the finger and look at that second knuckle, mm-hmm. that gets employed a lot. Uh, primary a big... example would be leopard fist.
0: Mm-hmm. Pow-chan.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, which is funny because it's also cannon fist, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, well, cannon <laughs> fist, pow-chan. That- okay. But.
1: Anyway. Um,
0: yes. <clears throat> But it's, it's a different character. Bao and Pao, technically. Right. Okay. But. Right. Um,
1: so yeah what uh, Craig uh, you know you use a lot of leopard fist in your yeah. style I use it less extensively what do you what do you think of striking with those four knuckles
0: um, it's great and one of the reasons for it is because you're halfway in between going into a full fist or opening up for fingers or a palms type thing so a lot of times it can be used transitionally uh, if you're going in like my personal favorite the movement i was just talking about the spear hand personally is to actually convert it into a leopard's fist because you throw a leopard's fist at a windpipe and you're talking good times but um the other great thing about that is that you'll notice when you do tuck that just that first joint the uh that part of the fingers that shows up is not straight up and down it's diagonal and what happens there is that you make a cutting surface kind of with these knuckles so you'll see in uh like a lot of southern chinese styles a, a diagonal really sweeping move uh that can be used for kind of a cutting that that you know you're not ripping flesh apart or anything but it, it hurts like a summer. yeah of yeah
1: you're swinging your arm like you would if you had a sword in it basically and exactly. raking along the rib cage or doing that sort of thing yeah
0: um and the other aspect um is that if you you know this is kind of Bruce Lee, if you will, but in very much traditional going in with what we were talking about, a fingertip strike or somewhat of a jab initially. And when they block or grab the fingers or that sort of thing, Sinking, dropping, all that for explosive power and dropping into a leopard's fist, which usually will then corkscrew uh, motion, which which really helps give it a, a different flair, a different kind of uh, strategic entry. Um, and it's, it's something that we use a lot, but uh, you'll find it in a lot of different areas.
1: Yeah. And that kind of that kind of striking is good at slipping through guards and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know, or coming unexpectedly up the body and hitting the throat or and exactly. again typically it 's going to go for softer targets, yes, but since you 've got that knuckle you 've got those knuckles doubled over, and all the fingers are held together mm-hmm. you can you can hit harder onto harder surfaces you know Definitely. usually you 're not going to strike the abdomen with your fingertips, but <laughs> with a leopard palm, you, you can know, absolutely. And in Bagua, the the version we use, and again, we're just we're using the basis of the styles we have experience with to talk about here. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of this stuff is universal. Um, yeah. you'll see these different shapes appear in a lot of places. Um, is <clears throat> uh, in between uh, the leopard fist, where the knuckles are extended forward, mm-hmm. and a regular fist. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a Ginger three-quarter. Fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still, the striking surface is that same thing, mm-hmm. the the ridge of those knuckles, and we use it for the exact same purposes.
0: Right. Sweet.
1: Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and fold the hand in even further, and let's Ooh. talk the big daddy in fighting, the fist. The fist, fist to cuff itself. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, wow, there are so many different kinds of fists out there. That's right. Um, people emphasize different things like... Uh, you know, horizontal versus standing uh, or an upright fist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the
0: surface of what you're striking.
1: Right. The primary difference here is some styles prefer to use the bottom three knuckles as the striking surface, mm-hmm. and some styles prefer to use the top two big knuckles. Right. Because you'll notice if you make a fist, you can't hit with all five knuckles at once.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be if one there Unless g- other. you're doing it very loose and whatever, and it's not right. what we're talking about. Right.
1: Right. Um, And some lock the thumb on the side of the fist. Some Some lock it up on top. Some lock it on top. I did Ishinryu karate, and that was a big thing. Almost all of their fists were vertical, or they would roll it uh, palm up for uppercuts and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they would lock the thumb on top, ostensibly for the reason that uh, doing so helps lock the wrist in and keeps you from hurting your wrist when you punch. Right. Uh, Some will put that thumb on top and use the thumb knuckle for striking, too which i've uh,
0: seen in some japanese eclectic styles as well yeah a lot of the uh southern chinese external styles like uh, uh jaoga choi the foot llama pie uh, you know some of the ones i've been exposed to use that same kind of fist whereas in northern shaolin we prefer to keep it like a typical fist with the uh thumb mm-hmm. you know underneath or whatever
1: yep uh and they can some People hold their fists really tight. Others focus on not a tight fist, which tightens up the forearm, too, but on a kind of a a loose fist. But the key with that is making sure that those knuckles stay aligned with the wrist, even though you don't have a really tight fist.
0: Whatever the real striking surface is. Exactly. And then you also have, you know, not just that, but then you have the other aspects quote-unquote back fist you know mm-hmm. it's hitting with the back of the fist a lot of times you know or the underside of the fist
1: right the hammer fist mm-hmm. uh-huh and yeah all of this stuff like the hammer fist is awesome if you're striking really hard targets um because you've got that meaty pad you know that you're hitting with at the bottom of the yeah. hand um and that's something we should probably mention about uh, the fist itself. Is if your hands aren't wrapped in, in gloves, mm-hmm. then even the fist is typically not for the hardest targets on the body. True. Um, you know, if anybody wonders about this, go up and pick a nice
0: brick wall somewhere.
1: <laughs> and see how hard you can hit it with a balled up fist Actually, without hurting please,
0: yourself please don't do so after we said <laughs> well i just
1: said without hurting yourself no. right but you'll find rather quickly that you know a hard a really hard surface doesn't uh, the fist doesn't do well and then you can take the open palm of your hand and hit that same thing and you can hit it twice as hard without hurting right. yourself right so yeah if you have gloves on then it, swing away cuz you it's, and we were
0: talking about this i think this is almost a shout back uh, to 10, 15 episodes ago, we talked about the damage you can do, not just to someone's head, the the skull, but what you can do to your hands. Um, you know, and one of the most common
1: stories in fights is I won, but I broke my damn hand, Yeah, you know, and even in, in sporting martial arts, you see people with wrapped and gloved hands breaking their hands pretty frequently in there. So word of caution on that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but, you know, the fist is good for most targets on yep. the body. You know, usually you're not trying to punch somebody on the hard part of the skull. You're trying to hit them in the jaw or some other, you know, the small bones of the face. Right. The body, virtually anywhere on the body, you can hit pretty safely
0: with a fist. Definitely. And, you know, um, one of the one of the key things that anybody that's gone from punching air or even punching, punching your opponent a lot of times to work into a heavy bag, especially if it's sand, uh, you'll learn very quickly what I tend to call them with my students is uh, wrist cuffs, which is you better watch that wrist alignment. Yeah, because <laughs> when your when your fist folds in, you know you're coming with five hundred pounds of power, or whatever it might be, just even twenty, and your wrist is out of alignment a little bit. Snappy crackle and pain, down you go. You know.
1: Yep. So be safe and don't do the wrist cuffs. Yep.
0: Hey, and so one thing real quick uh, I just want to harken back on when we were talking about the fingers um, that we forgot is a lot of times in Chinese forms, you'll see a lot of weird stuff going on in the fing- with the fingers that not necessarily um, for fighting. Sometimes it can be used that way, but, um, you know— the most obvious is when you think of Hungar, the tiger crane system, you see this one finger, the index finger being held up and, and, and the uh, palm really pulled back, you know, and it's a strengthening thing. Um, is that, you know, if you guys have noticed when you when you pull back all your fingers and lay down one or two and stuff like that, you feel different things happening in your forearm because each finger is, you know, more or less. A, it's got its own tendons yeah. and its own little separate mechanism exactly if you've got strong forearms and and you make a slow fist one finger after the other you literally see a ripple going through your forearm because of each you know tendon and stuff going on so it helps to build and focus uh strength and and flexibility and and um i don't know uh you know just dexterity for those different fingers and areas of the forearms and then like you had mentioned too there's there's also like in that very specific movement um Sim- symbolism yeah. yeah one finger shall supports the nation yeah or that's it
1: um and in like ninjutsu they have all the little finger postures and the right. mysticism involved in all that could you
0: know in you know yeah it, that's it, what and it you know each one symbolizes a power a strength a more a moral ethic or whatever it might be um, yeah,
1: i'm glad you brought that up because uh, you know like we also use the fingers a lot for grabbing
0: a uh, very good point, and uh, especially your stops. Yeah,
1: and we, you know, like one of the things we do when we're practicing basics, like uh, you know, pounding. When the fingers come back, you do that. You roll them in a specific way into the palm of your pinky hand, pinky first, pinky first, because that's really good for grabbing clothing or skin, right? And uh, most of the students, when they're starting out, they'll they'll focus on the the aggressive looking block and strike, and just completely ignore the part coming back, right. And just repeating that motion every time, every time you do the form of it does over time. It strengthens your hand yeah. so you can
0: grab and latch on a lot better. And and actually cause some pain. I'm, I am. Oh yeah, know, it's the, good for physical <laughs> uh, testament to his style. I have had many bruises on different places in my body just from these crazy grippy things they do. Very quick but very powerful. Um, and it's pretty awesome. And I, once you said that, you know, and brought to mind even Southern Praying Manus, a lot of Haka styles, they do this cur- coiling in, you know, kind of a Qigong way and stuff. And, right. and then they open up in a very specific pattern and mm-hmm. it's the same idea, different methodology, but exact same idea. Yep. Um, cool stuff. But also getting back to where we were, if you, unless you have more fingers.
1: Uh no no let's oh, okay. let's get back on track here yeah. we're
0: we're down in the fist isn't it back to fist one one thing the last thing I mentioned was uh about wrist cuffs you know making sure your wrists are in proper alignment with the rest of your forearm and your skeletal structure really um, and that's where a lot of you know force and power comes from anyway uh, but one of the most common things you know most people think when they think about hitting the heavy bag and oh I know my wrist is in alignment is the straightforward punch or the cross whatever but um, w- the time that I almost always see people who even do it right in those punches always F it up is in the, um, and now I can't even think of the name. Uppercut? Yes, is the uppercut uh, because that's huge because a lot of times, you know, especially in MMA, a lot of people use uh, uppercuts for body shots and stuff like that. For us, yeah, we use it that. We use it for over uh, underhangs and st- underhooks and different things like that, but we also use it when we're coming in close for a chin strike that will continue behind to wrap behind the head for a throw, um, and so a lot of times I'll see the wrist of cuffs being made really too incorrectly, and they it doesn't have part the of power.
1: that. Part of the problem with that may be uh, an uppercut is not a punch that really lends itself to being practiced on a heavy bag.
0: <clears throat> well, true.
1: If you're trying to to do an uppercut style punch on a heavy bag, what you usually wind up doing is more of a shovel punch. I call them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, because that's how you have to you're changing yourself. the
0: trajectory because. Right. It's vertical thing hanging there.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so you need to look at different striking uh, practice surfaces when you're working that.
0: And, and granted, this is not uh, – I can hear some of you guys now because we use this a lot. There are times when you do specifically do bend your wrists immediately before or after a strike if you're getting in with the limbs. You know, you'll, you'll do an uppercut while, it, you know, there's a cross coming at you. You dodge or trap and an uppercut underneath And then you'll bend that wrist and use it as a limb, Exactly to
1: reposition the limb or turn the body.
0: Yeah. All right. But um, what else we got on fist? What do you think?
1: I don't know. I think we've kind of covered most of the basics on the fist here. We talked about the different thumb placements. Mm So we talked about the different striking surfaces. You know, the two knuckle, the three knuckle. Um, And again, we want your input on this because we know everybody does it a little bit different, and we'd love to hear tales of how differences make. uh,
0: And one last thing that came to mind, you mentioned, uh, you know, some ninjutsu styles use the Kujino in for the fingertips. Uh, They also use a thumb tip, uh, you know, like the the one based out of here in Atlanta, Bujinkan, where the thumb is actually the little thumb tip is kind of sticking out and yeah they not use just it. using
1: the knuckle on top of the fist but actually protruding the thumb. Yeah, yeah and they
0: use that for the short ribs and the places in between the ribs um mm-hmm. you know to strike and then open up and grab maybe that's
1: also a pretty safe way if you're trying to poke somebody in the eye too
0: yeah yeah very good point they'll read it as
1: a punch on the way in
0: and not and not a dig and, and and cover. you it. know
1: even if you do hit a hard surface if your thumb is locked in on the top of your fist then you're not going to break it in all exactly exactly yeah. Well, let's right. uh let's well, let's there? go ahead and uh, unclench that fist and uh, let's take a look at palm strike. Open up inside. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the first uh, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you you wouldn't drop the F bomb Right. like you're going for, you know, to get rid of our explicit tag or something. <laughs> but, but then you go with it and make that a, a a connection. Anyway, uh let's start out with the palm out uh open hand strike. Um, we A lot of styles really like that. Bogwala loves it. Um, but virtually any uh, traditional martial arts style, you're going to see that. I don't think you see or as much of it. any member
0: from the Slapaho tribe. Yeah,
1: the Slapaho. <laughs> yeah. The Arapa Slapaho. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Five-finger death punch. Yep. Uh, the main advantage to an open palm, uh, or the main advantages in my book are, one, you can strike really hard targets with it, mm-hmm. uh, as hard as whatever on the body. The other is... It's right there, already open and ready to grab if you need to get a hold of something.
0: Uh-huh. <clears throat> very versatile. Yeah.
1: Now, the vulnerabilities are uh, typically uh, you're going to expose your fingers, fingers to again. danger. Yeah. Um and I remember when I first started practicing Bagua, you know, Shaolin was much more of a fisty art, and even mm-hmm. the palm strikes, the, head, the fingers tend to be kept together. Right. And Bagua is like, open your hand as wide <laughs> yeah. as it will go, you know.
0: <laughs> Stick it on out there. And
1: I'm like, that's great, but I was always, like, jamming my thumb on my own body and stuff when I was oh. practicing. It Really, it took me about a solid year to just get used to spatially having my hands open like that a lot.
0: Tiger's mouth specialty. Yeah, the
1: hukou. Yeah. Uh, I uh, – you know, it, it took a while to get used to. I'm cool with it now because I'm well, used to it, and I don't hurt my fingers any more often than anybody else that does this kind right. of thing. But it definitely, it takes some time and some work to, to to get used to leaving your little digits hanging out there like that.
0: Yeah, you found it's the a palm train-off. of the day for sure. I mean, I've ha- I've been jacked off. Oh, good gracious. I've been jacked up plenty of times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I realized what the rest of the sentence was, <laughs> yeah. and I said that's inappropriate. You were about to put my name in there. I, I was <laughs> by the Dave. Uh-huh. <laughs> you wish. Yeah, but but I aside from the uh, thumb getting jammed up and stuff like that, there's also the targeting um, because yeah, the palm can be a, a strong thing, but as you know, there's you know that place underneath where your knuckles are that if you hit it the wrong area on the wrong bone, it, you it yeah. hurts like a sun bitch. Mm-hmm. um there are places that that you'll hit wrong and there I, there's also i'd like to point this out when you're doing when you're talking about pine palm, palm as a striking surface rather than let's say a push or a reach out and grab or a hook or whatever it might right. be um you know for us we use it one of two ways we call it yin versus yang one is when it's you're in the hand shape and it's very it's structured and you're 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 hitting it percussive yeah percussive, pow. yeah pow and hitting it and there's the other that's more yin where it's like almost like you kind of lightly touch with the fingers followed up with a spam of the heel of the palm or the center of the palm type thing and it's, it's and people young style different.
1: brush knee you'll see that kind of exactly. strike a lot where the fingertips go out and then when they make contact the heel of the palm will drop into the target. right right another thing to mention about palms like uh If you're using a palm, a standing palm with the fingers up, that's an upward strike. If you're striking directly into the body or like straight out, like doing a midsection, you roll the fingers out to the side for the simple reason that if you, you know, if you hit somebody in the short ribs with a palm and they double over in the direction of the strike, they will bend your own fingers back and
0: hyperextend. That's funny that you're saying that from a Bagua perspective. And it took me a minute while you said it to think, what are you saying? And same thing for Northern Shaolin. I think that might be somewhat of a universal concept because it makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: you would think anybody that had much fighting experience would be smart enough to realize as they made well, their yeah. style it. Oh, I keep breaking my fingers when
0: I palm this guy <laughs> in the short ribs. But it, it's cool stuff. And, it, you know, like, you know, I was joking when I said slap ho try. But anybody that's uh, free sparred without gloves in the winter knows that even just a slap on the ear, Ooh. Oh, it, you know, in, yeah. in cold pain you know and you can you can hello how are you you catch that on the ear Uh, if you have a nice cupped palm we also have like i was mentioning earlier uh something in our system that we call roof tile palm um which to me is is just a slight adaptation from the bagua palm wherein uh the the base of the thumb and the base of the pinky are kind of pinched a little bit closer together together, and the center of the palm is pulled out and that's why it's called the roof tile palm if you think about a Spanish hacienda, the roof tiles or an old Chinese thing, it's how you'd pick up one of those roof tiles, you know. It's 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 hump like that. Yeah. And you'll see that in Chen style Tai Chi. Song style bagua, you open it up more and you're in the gal style.
1: Well, in the Um, gal style, the hand usually goes out for the strike wide open. But when it turns over and pulls back, that's when the roof tile palm comes Uh in. Because basically that compression between the pinky and the thumb will will grab the forearm, not squeeze the piss out of it, but just latch onto it enough to give it a
0: yank or reposition someone. And that's one of the things I love about the palm is that Especially with what we were talking about earlier with the fingers, you do these certain exercises in, in Chinese styles. They might have it in others, I'm not sure. But you, you, you realize that you have now strength in the muscles around this finger and that finger, especially the thumb, of course. And you're only tensing up like two or three fingers, not all five. And you can easily switch you know, and relax and go straight into whatever your next move is. Yeah, Um, that's something that's really great.
1: Yeah, the palm is a quick transition to other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's already wide open. You can close it right up into a fist if you need to, close it up into a grab.
0: Um, Tighten it up and make it go a finger jab.
1: Yeah, this is probably a good time to segue into claws, like, you know, things like tiger claws and Shaolin uh, or other things. Never heard of it. No, well, let me tell you all about it. All right, <clears throat> those things go out usually with the hand open, mm-hmm. and when they hit, that's when the claw occurs. Exactly. So basically, you're doing something that Bagua does and lots of other systems do: is the hand hits flat, and then by bringing the fingers in, you're grabbing skin mm-hmm. or you're you know you're tearing, you're doing that sort of thing.
0: Grabbing face, we all know the certain uh, yeah, story. Yeah, 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 Go back uh, for several
1: episodes if if you want to hear that story.
0: Right. Yeah. And like uh, for us, you know. Almost a playoff of uh, dave 's story that we 're referring to, one things that we love is is the shape of the jawline. You know you get a couple of fingers you 're in a clinch or something you reach up there, and one finger goes you know basically the, uh, around the edge of the jawline, starting from that soft spot by the ear and uh, you can get a grip literally on the jaw bone, and that 's really fun for if you 're going into grappling and a and throw or something like that because it 's extremely painful with just a little bit of squeeze. Um, I've, I've
1: yeah. never actually gotten a grip on the jawbone before, but I've certainly had someone's lips and nose crunched up in there my hands. So. A little smush face. <laughs> yeah, me. a little smash face going on there.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have and, – and Chinese styles are known for this because a lot of the styles are even called something claw, like eagle claw kung fu, Ying jiao, fu jiao Pai, which is tiger claw. You yeah, mm-hmm. have Gar, which is tiger and crane. And so you got a beak or wing and a right. claw, you know. And there's a lot of those. And it's, it's great, and one of the most prevalent is eagle claw. Like, we're not an eagle claw style, but we use it all the time. And it's just a simple way of you block or you parry or punch or whatever and simply fall down and grab that wrist yep. or elbow or whatever it is.
1: And that's uh, – we can tag back to the tiger mouth. If you're doing an eagle claw mm-hmm. or a bogwa grab or whatever, you have that uh, – that the tiger mouth is basically the index finger and we the ought thumb, to say that. yeah, <laughs> uh, making a C shape with it, mm-hmm. and you know the C shape has to point outward though because yes. you're hanging onto a limb with it. It doesn't point out to the side, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a mistake a lot of people make at first. They um, do. But it, it's very natural once you get used to it. You know, you you strike or whatever, and when your arm contacts their arm, you just flip it over and it latches mm-hmm. right on, and then you can start manipulating.
0: And the cool thing too is. Now, some people like if you're one of those hearkening back to the uh, fingertip thing. If you've practiced a lot on fingertips and you're conditioned and you got really strong fingers, when you have that eagle claw, you can actually get a little funky play with with the muscles and tendons and hurt the hell out of somebody. Not uh, life threatening, but just owie, wowie. That that point of oh, I've caused pain. Now I can move on because it's you know a little bit of paralysis, but. Even aside from that, usually your your fingers aren't arthritically tight when you're doing that kind of thing. It's just a collar. Yeah, actually. it's more about making a cuff so when you yank the
1: arm, it, it can slide down to the end of the arm. But Those their joints fists, that are their, sticking their out. their hand, yeah, won't slide through. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not used like when you think about grappling. Most people aren't going to use it to put a hold on someone. No. They're going to use it to yank them and reposition them in space.
0: Yep. I, I mean, it can also be used, you know... depending upon where you are especially from the clinch it's nice if you get a nice underhook and you pull down an elbow or come over top and then the other one goes straight up for the uh literally the jugular the the adam's apple and you just squeezy squeezy and pull downwards usually their hands come up and you know go for throws yeah but uh
1: so uh all right, we've kind of I think we've beaten up the basic palm area here, but let's look at the the sides of the hands.
0: Well, hold on real quick before oh, sure. we leave claws. Uh, a couple of others that are probably unique to Chinese martial arts. We you know we've discussed the the tiger, uh, the eagle. Um, stuff like that there's also believe it or not if you guys have seen mantis uh, specifically northern mantis in chinese martial arts it's subdivided into southern and northern the southern styles usually do the fist that we were talking about earlier called phoenix eye fist with the index finger protruding at the knuckle um for short range striking and whatnot but the northern styles now will use a very different uh quote-unquote fist actually a hook or a claw where um i don't know how to fucking describe this over the air it's
1: basically if you know how to make a forearm muscle like to make your forearm muscle bulge you'll put your thumb and wrap your index finger this is not exactly the shape i'm trying to get to the idea and then you'll bend your wrist to the extreme and sort of crank it and you'll see your forearm bulge as big as it's going to bulge well you just sort of extend the fingers out but leave the thumb in position and that's a mantis
0: that's a yeah, yeah that's a northern mantis claw and um that's that's really a cool, quote-unquote, claw, because in so doing, they've got the fingertip striking, they've got the fist striking, they've got the back of the fist, but they've also got this hooking claw between the fingers and where the bulging forearm is. And so you'll see a lot of times, especially in Northern Mantis, a quick pl- block or encounter and ideally a trapping of the arm, and that lead hand then shoots up to... To actually strike or use the fingers to get the attention of the eyes there yeah um so you have that and then there's something called uh dragon claw northern southern different but it, it they all they're just slightly different takes off the hand shape and uh the benefits of, of circles and lines and different shit like that but uh but yeah there's a lot of stuff and we could go on for hours but let's go ahead yeah and- we'll we'll push
1: this on towards the end because we've yeah. actually been talking about this a while but we don't want to neglect uh, you know a lot of palms are executed with the meaty the pinky side of the hand mm-hmm. uh, willow palms that oh, sort yeah. of thing some bogwa styles use that instead of the the palm That's forward. right, the
0: ox tongue or whatever ox yeah. tail
1: yeah um, and uh, those that tends to be more percussive it doesn't lend itself to grabbing as much but it's mm. good for striking especially bony parts like the 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 sternum the sternum thank you right. <laughs> that sort of thing um and the other side of the palm is the thumb side. So mm-hmm. if you're doing ridge hands, that sort of thing, there you're going to you know. employ that. Some people like to involve a knuckle in that. Some just use, you know, the, they keep the knuckle below the surface and use the meaty part of the hand. Right. Right. Um, and often those are really more a case of forearm strikes, and the shape is just to make sure that you angle the Indeed. radius in your arm correctly when you're striking and sort of tighten up that whole area
0: for the impact. Yeah, you'll find that even in crane's wings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that it's it's really training the shape and structure of the of the arm. Right. For... A lot of, of these lot
1: weirdo of these. hand postures, the kind of thing you don't see much in sporting martial arts, are more uh, as much about what it does to the arm and, yeah. and posture as what you're doing with the hand.
0: Definitely. Good point. Uh,
1: okay. Uh, what else have we got here? You know, the, we've hit on some of the weirdo stuff. Like, the manis is kind of a weirdo one. You know, yeah. It's not something you see in Monkey most paw. system. Monkey paw. Yeah. Now, there's the, there's the rising mm-hmm. with the back of the hand. So, not like a standard back fist where you're using knuckles. This is something else that, A, is usually a lift to deflect something and set up a palm strike coming downward, Mm -hmm. or it's, again, a relatively soft target strike. So let's let's say you stick your hand out and you manage, your right hand manages to grab the other person's right hand, Mm -hmm. and you give them a good yank and move to the side, and they kind of bend over. Well, if your other hand's hanging, it can lift and strike them in the midsection or the ribs or the The liver or whatever, on the way, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's good for that. You don't want to like, typically you don't want to hit somebody under the chin or something with that because the bones in the back of your hand are not conditioned for that in most cases. That would
0: be a good uppercut.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's where you drop the knuckles in.
0: (laughs) But I can see once you did that, that person would lean, lean back a little bit, opening up that central area in the sternum, which what goes up must come down.
1: Yeah, yeah. So basically, or if uh, the example I was given more, think of somebody bent over at the waist. So Mm. you hit them on the way up in the stomach with it, and then you hit them on the kidneys or the back or the back of the neck or whatever with the palm and the forearm on the way down. So you know, uh, you do see these like uh, uh, Shaolin has them, Taiji Mm -hmm. and single whip. Oh yeah. Uh, You're basically looking, you know, at a top of the hand strike in a lot of cases. Some some use it as a hook. hook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that's certainly one of the things it can be used for. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are some other common examples?
0: Um, like for us in uh, Tontoy number four and and the way that we do it, oddly enough, instead of, I mean, yeah, there's the obvious what you were just talking about. and We, we definitely use that. Um, you know, there's a block coming in, a strike comes in, we block with our left hand, the right hand shoots up and goes for the uh, underside of the chin. But it's it's really a setup type thing. The other aspect is sometimes we'll use it and I've seen this in several places, in liambu uh the monkey section, mm-hmm. where our our monkey's paw, which is basically four fingers pointing straight down at the ground, your thumb is kind of behind uh, the the center of it. And it's, it's shooting out about 45 degrees upward, but it's not the back of the hand that we're hitting with. We're actually hitting with the knuckles as though you were punching. Um, and this is usually used on broad, big muscles, not for a penetrating effect, but usually as a thud to make them take half a step back or something like that or as an entry because it's coming very heavy, very hard, and their hand is going to go towards that area. And that's usually what we're looking for because then you know uh lyrically we call it monkey climbs pole because then our hand's gonna wrap theirs and so on and so forth but yeah um
1: and uh, something maybe uh you know boxers and mma guys can get their head around this a little bit better yeah um if you do a slip mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about your hand goes up and kind of covers your head the elbow points go. forward and you basically instead of trying to deflect a punch you slip around it yeah Um, and you know, the rules of the game in traditional martial arts, you can use the hand going up as part of a strike Mm -hmm. you know, it can hit things on the way up. I technically, I don't know. I don't think that's illegal. It's probably illegal in boxing, but not in MMA. Right. Um, and the other thing to think about is when that hand goes up like that, again, we're talking about how hand postures set up different things in the arm and the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. You do a slip, the hand goes up. Yeah. Maybe you strike something with it on the way, but it's primed to come down You can point the fingers right at somebody's eye while it's up there. And you also have your elbow pointing forward. And you've got your whole arm, then makes a meat shield on the side of your head. So it's great for if you have to wade in through a hook, punch, or something.
0: Rooster? What is that? Uh, Fighting cock. That's it. Yeah. Can we (laughs) say that again?
1: Fighting cock. All right. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Where do we go from there?
0: I don't know we're all the way up at elbow you know and yeah so uh, we've
1: kind of covered the hand and probably more detail than some people want but there's so much more out there so if anybody and yeah, the only other thing we might talk about here just briefly is because i think we've already touched on it but you know uh whatever parts of the hand you're going to use you have to train not just the hand but the structure behind it to make right. sure it's well supported you know our hands are our, our finest uh you know, instruments like, yeah and so if you're going to go wailing a on things with it you want to preserve them as best you can so you know don't just think about the fist or the palm think about you know what part of it you're hitting with the the yeah striking uh, you know the tiger mouth the uh, it can go straight up and slide and hit the throat and close make a grab <laughs> all these other things you know make sure your wrist and your elbow and your shoulder are all well connected yes. too because it's all you know i've seen people punching a heavy bag Throw the, knock their shoulder out of joint mm-hmm. because they stiff arm it, you know, yeah. and uh, they're trying to hit with the arm. And, it usually
0: doesn't last for too many reps, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, be cautious with all that. Yeah. Uh, but Another thing to keep in mind, um, and this is something that if you're a Chinese stylist, you're more than well aware of. If you're not, it could be new to you. Something that we call seven stars. Um which is a, a style in its own right it represents a big dipper yada 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 all, but all that beside aside's the point it's actually talking about the major joints in the body and a you know an old traditional theory um is, is such it does take some timing it takes some serious practice to pull off to to actually pull off in a real combative situation when you know somebody's resisting against you um But if you can pull it off and you do it proper with proper structure, it works great. And what that is is folding in. In other words, the fingers hit, you fold it in, the knuckles hit, you fold it in, the wrist hits, you fold it in, the elbow hits, the shoulder hits, the hip hits, you know, that kind of thing. And, of course, you can really in in real time only pull off really two of those transitions very quickly.
1: Yeah, but it's good to know all the folding points on the body because if people block you incorrectly, it's really simple to keep the same strike, (laughs) the same momentum going right through and just folding to the next joint down. And it
0: is wonderful for for grappling, especially standing grappling when somebody, you know, wraps your wrist and then it's elbow to the temple or whatever. Right. Anyway, but –
1: yeah. All right. I think that about covers it, at least Indeed. for now. Can't wait to hear what you folks think about that. Yeah. Any stories, any accidents or great results you've had with different hand postures. You Definitely. Know, we'd and like if you to hear about it
0: if you want more to, um, you know, even if you're just curious, go Pick up an old Chinese kung fu book, and it's almost always at the very beginning of the book. It's like three chapters on just what we're talking about: all the different shapes of the hands, and way more than detailed than than what we've been able to go. Yeah,
1: uh, this is not just a Chinese thing either. I want to reinforce that one more time: the traditional arts around the world have their different hand postures, animal mimicry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and even you know, boxing is probably the most restrictive because you're, you're yeah yeah you're taped and gloved. But uh, even MMA employs a lot of this stuff to one degree or another.
0: Indeed. And uh, even in boxing, I mean, you know, we do this uh, in, in, in Kung Fu. You can sit there and make a fist and let's say you're going through an uppercut and you just, you know, in solo practice working the speed bag, heavy bag, whatever it might be, or just shadow boxing. But your focus is on, let's say, that index knuckle, that index finger, and that's what you're working on. And then a slight twist and, and the real power is coming out towards the bottom of the fist. You know, when you get that, you know, granular with it 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 starts to take on a different effect it it gives you different options for a slight tweak on power a slight you know punch angle or something like that so it's you know everybody can glean something with it if you take it to that granular level i suggest you do
1: all right then well we're going to take a short break we'll be right back with the news and a little bit of media for you Folks, we're back, coming to you live from the little box with the handle on the side that goes. <laughs> There's
0: Craig with the news, 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 news. Hiya, folks. Well, today's July seventh, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cover some interesting news topics for you from the recent past since we've been on vacation a little bit. Just last night, July sixth, we had UFC bout one sixty two. And it I didn't get a to see it, but advice. I
1: heard it was a humdinger. I've seen a lot of stuff yes, uh, being bandied about with that.
0: Yes, indeed. Was the fight fixed? This and this and this. You know, a lot of different nah. people saying different things.
1: Mo- actually, most of what I've read, sorry to interject no. here, most of what I've read is uh, there wasn't no fixing in that. Yep. <laughs> Silva's been playing around too
0: long. <laughs> exactly. And what he's getting to, folks, uh, this was Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman, W-E-I-D-M-A-N. W-E-I-D-M-A-N. So however the correct pronunciation is on that i don't know anyway um basically uh you had a very short fight uh it was a good one uh silva was doing his usual dance about weedman comes in delivers a left hook and uh that pretty much downs silva i mean you see his eyes rolling back in his head and he's going down and uh chris pounds upon him just dives in after him and is pounding and within seconds the ref comes in calls the fight um, and it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty interesting. Um, honestly, the, the interesting part for me is that Silva said after the fight, he said, I'm not going to call for a rematch. I won't fight again for the belt. I uh, had the belt for a long time. Uh, he will you know, finish out his contractual obligations. He has about 10 more fights with the UFC, uh, but not necessarily for the belt. Uh, Silva falls to a 33-5 record as pro not to
1: take anything away from him that's pretty darn good you know
0: no that's that's awesome i uh you know I, I wasn't a huge fan of his uh until i watched a couple of his fights i don't know what got me into him but uh to be honest he reminded me a little bit of bruce lee uh yeah the cockiness the arrogance but just his speed and precision was was really awesome to me even coming from a traditional martial artist it was just on point a lot of the times much respect uh, uh
1: yeah we all get older and the game changes and you know need. and that's a that's a brutal sport so uh well yeah it's a rough sport
0: it so is they, but but the guy's going home you know as close to a millionaire if not above that you. Oh, can be. i'm
1: sure he's doing fine
0: <laughs> and other news <laughs> i'm sure some of you guys have heard this before but uh Somebody that was too busy looking good has recently passed away. That's right, folks. Jim Kelly, Enter the Dragon star, dies of cancer, age 67 recently. Uh, he was in Enter the Dragon. He was the guy that literally said, I'm too busy looking good. <laughs> also of black exploitation movies, Black Belt Jones and Three the Hard Way and several other movies. Three the Hard Way is a really good movie, actually, for, the,
1: for those black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth a watch. And... It just what a charismatic dude man he yeah. he really was one of the epitomes of that 70s you know
0: smooth funk but whoop your ass. that's right
1: and you know for a lot of those people uh that were doing that sort of thing his karate moves were actually pretty good hey yeah he wasn't just faking his way through it he you could tell he had some experience you know? there was a
0: whole lot of karate in that afro i'm telling you uh, yeah. <laughs> he
1: reached in and pull a pair of nunchucks out <laughs> you're in trouble <laughs>
0: But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but good on you, brother.
1: I mean, uh, uh, people who haven't delved beyond Enter the Dragon should look into his career. Uh, Yeah. uh, Lots of good stuff
0: there. I I mean, and some of it's comical, but it's especially looking at it from 2013, you know, but uh, but it... You got to think about the time it was in. Yeah, and it was,
1: I'm old enough that I remember those days, and it was spot on at the time. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. can
0: still remember him in that little Asian, you know, silk night robe, you know, or whatever. I'll take you. That's right, and you and you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun classic. Go back and watch a couple of these movies, uh, you know, just for enjoyment, if not respect to Jim Kelly. Right on moving on uh some of you may remember ernie reyes jr obviously son of senior uh you know he was born into a martial arts family he's been uh kind of a movie star for a while he was in teenage mutant ninja turtles both the first one and second one in rush hour two uh and believe it or not in the last dragon as well as uh, playing the little annoying guy in red sonja and yeah. uh, i personally got to meet this guy and he Gave me a bad taste in my mouth, but that's a different story altogether. Anyway. Why were you nibbling on him? Well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't oh, you? Eh, yeah, he's famous. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> nah, he took my seat when I went to come to the uh, uh, Karate Black Belt show. What do you call that? Battle of Atlanta. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah,
0: move your feet, down. lose your seat, brother. That's right. <laughs> anyway, he is the new host of Mix TV's Movie So Good. That's right. Mixed TV, that's myx.tv.com if you want to check that out. Uh, it's the fastest-growing Asian-American entertainment network in the U.S. Uh, this show, Movie So Good, is in its third season, and it brings to light comedy, action, and combat uh, genres of, of TV and movies. It's kind of the hottest destination uh, for classic kung fu flicks. Anyway, it shows at yeah. Sundays at 9, 8 Central. Um, and you can, you know, host in and, and I mean, uh, dial in and, and check him out. He's the. No, is this host.
1: an internet uh, show?
0: No, it's it's on. It's an actual cable uh, pro uh, channel okay. Okay. that you can subscribe to. Um, but Mix.TV TV um, does have some of the episodes of different shows and stuff like that, so okay. you can check it out. Cool. Um, yeah, it's something uh, I only learned about from doing this research, and I'm going to look into it myself. Um, and on the short note, uh, we haven't gotten enough of Bruce Lee statuary around the world, evidently, because one has just popped up in LA Chinatown.
1: <laughs> I think every city eventually should have one of those, yeah. or you know, maybe maybe some people should throw some Jim
0: Kellys in there. There you have it, or a little Long Duck Dong. Yeah, <laughs> or no? <laughs> <laughs> what the matter? John fuck? Saxon here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, but all that's
1: right. in in Chinatown in San Francisco. No, yeah. LA,
0: LA, okay. LA. And uh, you know, along the same kind of genre, there his his uh, arch rival, if you would, Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. uh, is is writing a musical about his life.
1: Well, you know that's a pretty uh, pretty colorful topic there. That should be interesting. And he you know,
0: is. Jackie loves to sing and dance. He does, especially country music. Oh, it's a good time, yeah. Jackie.
1: You know, he's I think because he can't do what he used to do anymore. Yeah. I think he's sort of flailing now, trying to see how he can maintain, like, international superstardom. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, he's got his own pair of jeans and restaurants. He's
1: doing everything, yeah. Uh, But, you know, more power to him. And actually, some of these musicals actually work out to be pretty good. You know, they've done musicals uh, or or theater stuff on everything from Reanimator. Yeah to uh spider-man well that was colossal yeah shaolin temple you know i know
0: but i'm still i'm just chuckling at the very idea even though i love him and i used to sing karaoke to some of his damn kung fu songs that he sang yeah but i still chuckle at the idea well we'll see how it turns out won't we and we will we will (laughs) indeed all right, moving on. I uh, got two more stories for you here. Uh submitted thank you uh to loyal listener Matt Strader. Thank you for sending these two stories in. Um Joshua Watson of Kiowa Island, South Carolina, recently used his martial arts training to help him in a in an interesting situation. He's 14 year old. Uh he's a 2nd degree black belt in karate. He and his sister were swimming at Kiowa Island's beach park on Tuesday, just this past week, June 25th, and they started playing a game where they're kind of pretending to be sharks and da na 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 you know. And uh, in the midst of it, a real shark bites down on his ankle. Oh, whoops. Yep. So we Let me tra-
1: show you how that's done, fella. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: Indeed. doing it all wrong. <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, he he tries to jerk his ankle away, and while he's doing so, you know, it's going to pull your upper body forward. And so what he did did was accidentally punch the shark in the nose. Delivering a quick punch to the shark's nose, Watson says it was instinct, and it's kind of when his karate skills kicked in. He uh, tightened up his fist and, and did proper structure and whatnot, just like what we were talking about. So kudos to you there, Joshua Watson. Uh, He's recovering after undergoing surgery for a shark bite. Uh, He was able to get away clear. You know, he still has his limb and all that good stuff. Yeah. uh, Little teeth in the flesh. Well, it's
1: been said for a long time that, you know, if you are being bitten by a shark, the thing to do is punch it in the nose or poke it in the eyeball if you can so good on him for keeping the presence of mind to actually do that. No doubt. And I think the other thing that we have to remember here is a fist fight with a shark is always going to be a losing (laughs) proposition if it really, really, really wants to eat you. Yes, indeed. But in most cases when sharks bite people, it's mistaken identification. Mm -hmm. They don't really want to eat people in 99.9% of the cases, so... Once they realize they've bitten the wrong thing, whether you're resisting or not, They'll I think they on. tend to let you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: They, the other guys were, were chiming in on the story, saying, you know, they're sure that different things brought the shark to the area, saw this thing going on. He latched out for it. Yeah. And even, even the kid, when he was being interviewed, said, you know, he's trying to give his supposed measurements. It was a tiny thing, you know. Um, so it's not like he was trying to box Jim Kelly in the nose or uh, anything. Right. But you know,
1: even if a shark, the size of an average dog bit me, it would, it would scare the shit out of me. Oh, no
0: joke. (laughs) And if he wanted to, you know, you'd have a, have a, have a rough life ahead. Well, moving along, unfortunately got another death in the family, so to speak, uh, happened recently. RIP for Lau Kar Leong, uh, in, in Mandarin, he's known as Liu Chia Liang. He recently passed away from uh, lymphoma. Um, he was a martial arts choreographer and director, actor, as well as uh, just a, a huge name in the Hung Chinese-style uh, name world. He was, um, he was
1: a student of his father, who was yep. a student of uh, uh, Lam Sai Wing, right?
0: Yeah, who was a student under the famed uh, Wang Fei Hung, yep. who you hear about in all the movies and whatnot. And this guy was, was really badass. You can find him in all kinds of movies, um, even acting, like in Drunken Master. And oh, like, yeah. Uh,
1: Some of my favorite movies he's the action choreographer for. He acts in Drunken Master 2, actually, is the that's one. Right. That he's, he's the old uh, buzzard in that one.
0: The monkey, something monkey. Uh, Mad
1: said. Monkey Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah, an uh, old, another one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. And also one of my weirdo favorites, uh, Operation Scorpion. Uh,
0: one of mine, too. <laughs> comic book leg kicked up yeah get it all down. oh
1: yeah he, he's the old cook that teaches the guy the eel style but he does mm-hmm. the choreography for all of it and he could choreograph all kinds of different styles to look different from each other which was really well, not amazing. just
0: different but but believable in combat choreography i mean the choreography was good yeah. you know um some of the stuff you're like hey, i don't know if i'd try that or not but it just badass kung fu movie you know
1: yeah and he he's remained active up until very recently and I was surprised to read that he had been battling this uh, lymphatic cancer for 20 years.
0: Yeah, and all the st- uh, quite a few of the things we've seen him in or, or seen him direct or whatever has been within that time.
1: Yep. So, yeah, this guy's huge. So that'll... that'll uh that's your last news story, right? We'll make that a segue into a really quick media thing here. Yeah. But uh boy, if you're looking for some good Kung Fu movies, look for stuff that he's in. Even the older ones, oh, his yeah. choreography tends to stand head and shoulders above what a lot of the other stuff that was going on. Indeed. So yeah, those titles we spewed out, Mad Monkey Kung Fu, that's an older one. And he's got, a, Operation he's got like, Operation Scorpion. When
0: you see him in it, you know, he, you can tell just by looking at him he does not have a pretty boy face he's no. got a face like you would not want to fuck with him yeah he really does he's there for a different reason he than is looking indeed. good. <laughs> he is indeed. they always he have the pretty boy mouth. be his
1: student or whatever mm-hmm. you know but he is uh he's a badass dude
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah l a u k a r dash l e u n g look him up
1: yep i highly recommend his stuff mm-hmm. and uh fare thee well. So uh, real quickly before we get off here, um, I'm not going to do a movie review, but I have watched a few things. What I'm going to do is tie tie a little uh, knot up here of some different stuff. Um, so if you like podcasts, and you probably do if you're listening to this. Um, How do you figure? <laughs> well, you at least know what they are. Yeah. Uh, go check out one of my favorite podcasts, Caustic Soda. All right. Uh, by the time this episode's hit, it'll probably be uh, a few episodes back in the stream. But they did a two-parter on ninjas.
0: Ooh, ninjas! I yeah. liked it. Ninjas.
1: Caustic Soda is not for sensitive people, but what they do is they take, you Caustic. know, a, a very uh, 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 realistic uh, look at. Terrible things or violent things, <laughs> or you know, diseases, wars, everything, and they also try to have a little fun
0: with it. So, right.
1: if you're super sensitive, it's caustic, this shows it not... burns you, so did yummy, but it's super well produced. And they did a really, you know, a really funny uh, two episode thing on uh, ninjutsu. One of the books they used for reference was uh, one I read not too long ago called uh, ninjutsu, uh, thousand years of uh. Uh, a thousand years of Shadow Warrior, or something like that. I, it's referenced in that podcast. I can't recall the author's name right at the moment. I I had to return the book to the library and I forgot to write <laughs> it down. So, but you should—that's uh, a decent read too. Yeah. It's very colorful and uses the tales of the time, but it also realistically portrays what ninjutsu was actually about. It was mostly not people in dark uniforms slipping over the castle wall with a grappling hook. it, yeah. it was—you know—it's political intrigue. Ninjas
0: have gotten a super bad rap <clears throat> recently, yeah. and part of the reason for that
1: was the big ninja craze in the 80s 80s. so let me move along into my next one uh so yeah caustic soda uh check out their ninjutsu episode check out the whole podcast if you like that one uh the next thing is uh i did watch a few movies and a couple that i watched uh recently were revenge of the ninja
0: (laughs) i love
1: that shit yeah oh it's so bad but it's so bad it's good yeah and also
0: uh, when you were a kid that was a shit oh yeah
1: yeah um, again, every misrepresentation of a ninja you oh, could possibly course. think of and just ridiculous fight scenes where it's like you're pulling everything out of the bag here that right. end fight goes on for 10 minutes, but <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it here because there's a podcast called uh film sack, mm. uh, where they, uh, the hosts weekly take a look at something that's kind of trashy and available on Netflix instant right. and, uh, the two in a row. And again, these will be a few episodes back by the time you get this podcast, but not many, uh, look for they did two in a row. Show Kasogi, uh, uh, uh Revenge of the Ninja, and uh, Jackie Chan's Police Story Two. Wow, or Super Cop actually, Super. Cop. Super yeah, the English dub version oh, is yeah, available yeah. on Netflix right now, and it's a good excuse to go back and rewatch both of those movies. They're on the instant there, and then you can listen to these guys. As a martial artist, you might roll your eyes because they're obviously not martial artists. Right. At some of the misconceptions and mispronunciations they have. But they're, <laughs> they're also pretty funny podcasts if you like, yeah. you know, uh, listening to people talk about film. And they got good senses of humor. So, yeah, that, that's what I got for a media mop up. A couple of other podcasty places you can look at uh, that had some recent uh, martial arts goodness in them.
0: Good deal. Yeah, we love stuff like that where we can... Network, you know, it's not just ours. Even though we are pretty much number one, I mean, you know, there is that. <laughs> but we do want to point out when other folks are talking about stuff you guys would be interested in as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're all one big happy family, and I don't think anybody's making much money off this. We're certainly no. making none. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, uh, you know,
1: get out there and check that out. And, uh, you know, so mentioning the fact that we're number one. We're, we're the number one podcast called High Off. definitely. Uh, no,
0: no. If you do a search for Martial Arts Podcast and Google, my friend, bada bing
1: Oh, yeah, well, I'm impressed, but I have a feeling over our hiatus, we may have lost a few listeners to the dry socket. We have. So uh, if you're out there and you're still listening to us, thank you. And uh, please uh, drag your friends to the party. Yeah. Pimp us out as much as you can because it's knowing that you guys are listening that keeps us putting up with this and taking the time to do it. Yes, indeed. Uh, All right. You got anything else, Craig?
0: Ah, just the Judy Chopping High, on, that's about it.
1: Alright, well folks, uh, thanks for listening and we will see you again soon. I can't believe all the crap that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, you are so contact me and that's all you're about. Get off your owls and do your thick You wish you'd listen to cause I'm sick of your best, out of being your cop Always some sketchy, some shift and dark My
0: mind will be so much worse than my mind.